It's HBR, ATC, and I'm Dave Lawrence, a music legend with us, touring behind her latest album, Digging Deep, at the Mac Friday, Blaisdell Concert Hall Saturday. From her Quaker upbringing to today, she has led a life of giving back, filled with benefit albums and concerts, guesting with others. It's a real treat to welcome the one and only Bonnie Raitt. Aloha, Bonnie. How you doing? I'm good. I was happy to read about your history, and great to have that familial connection, and I'm sorry for the loss of your mom. I mean, mine died 10 years earlier than that, and I'm still, you know, Sundays are rough, because I can pick up the phone, and there's, you know, can't call any of those folks. Wonderful of you to pay tribute in her honor to people that are dealing with being impaired in terms of the way society accommodates people that are disabled. It's amazing. It's really sweet of you. Thank you so much for taking some time to be part of the show with me. It, it means a lot. Well, I listen to All Things Considered every day when I'm hiking. I have the NPR app. It's just so great, the range of things that's covered, you know, from all the local NPR outlets. So I'm, I'm honored to be included. These shows, Bonnie, have special benefit seats. ARIA Foundation, is that the name of it? Yeah, it's ARIA, but it doesn't matter because it's a way of supporting... So many groups are calling up for benefit albums or benefit appearances or receptions, and I just, we can't get around to all the different causes and be fair. But now a dollar of every ticket is donated, and then we do special premium seating through the ARIA Fund or through my website or through various other ways of reserving high-end tickets. And the difference between the regular cost of the ticket and the higher tier goes directly to one of usually about 100 groups that we are carefully vetted in blues and music education and fair elections and artists' rights, safe energy and no-nukes work, and a whole host of other grassroots organizations to try to work for peace and justice. And the environment. And that's really been a hallmark of your life. And dialing back a couple of months, Bonnie, one that touched on perhaps uh, your deep spirit of activism, November Benefit Concert for Native Americans of Standing Rock. Oh, I would love to be able to share it with folks. Thousands of people, I think up to the point where they were actually starting to dismantle the camp when the really hard snows came and when the, the great windfall of the Obama administration before the end of his term he put a stop to any kind of further construction until there could be an environmental review, which, of course, has now been reversed by our new president. But at the time, this was right Thanksgiving weekend, and Jackson Brown and Joe Raphael and Jason Raz and myself and some local Native American artists all participated in a concert that Thanksgiving Sunday. But the day before, when we all arrived, Saturday was just an amazing visit to the Maybe eight or 9,000 people camped out, and we were given a wonderful ceremony. We brought gifts. We were given gifts. We met with the tribal elders. Someone said at one point over 300 different tribes were represented, but the main leaders of the groups that were there, we met for strategy meetings and talked about what it's been like for them, and a lot of the funds from the concert itself went to pay for. We showed up with like 400 blankets that we had purchased, and I know Jane Fonda was just there right before we were there, and she had purchased thousands of pounds of bison meat and purchased Mongolian yurts. The atmosphere was unbelievably positive and spiritually aligned. So many different branches of our culture, you know, whether they're young people or middle-aged people or people from all around the world that came in support. On the way that next week before they were going to close the camp down was 400 members of the Long Robes, which is what they call the clergy. They were on their way for the big showdown, and I think over 4,000 vets were on their way to stand on the front line with especially the Native American elder women that were 
right in front of the uh, bulldozers, the police locally that were sitting there with rifles 24-7. As you've mentioned, things have changed politically, and it appears that that pipeline is going to go through now. Uh, Do you have any plan to go back and resume your efforts in drawing awareness? Absolutely. So Standing Rock, I'm hoping in the summer tour in August, we're going to be coming through and doing something in northern Minnesota and then playing in North Dakota again, but at the moment we're just sending funds and sending as much support as we can. So it's ongoing support of the legal efforts to try to undo it and reinstate the environmental and the tribal concerns for sovereignty and for violation of their sacred lands and their burial grounds and the rights to protect their waters. So we're just trying to head off a disaster here. But it, for the time being, they're going ahead with construction, I think. You kind of have a history of such activity on your own part. The activism and music kind of intertwine. They both, from researching, you have deep roots in your life. And I was wondering if you could explain the impacts of the background that you have with a Broadway musical star as a father, a pianist, as your mother, how this contributed to the woman that we know and are so privileged to have in our lives today? Oh, thank you, David. Well, I was raised by a family that had become Quaker after both sides of my folks that came from more strict kind of Scotch Presbyterian and Methodist background. And after the Second World War, my uncle, who was active in the American Defense Service Committee, which is kind of the Peace Corps conflict resolution great work all over the world, arm of the Quakers, they decided to become Quakers, and that's how I was raised, was that our job here on the earth is to try to help alleviate suffering and injustice and to try to appeal in in areas of conflict where people would tend to go to war to try to see if there could be some sort of common ground and conflict resolution that was aiming towards respecting the other side and tolerance. So even from the time I was a little girl, we were involved with fundraising and going to talks by people from different lands. It made a big impression on me, as did collecting money for refugees all around the world. So it was just something, working for peace and justice, and then as the 60s unfolded and the band of bomb movement and the civil rights movement, my folks were active in that, and they took us to marches. And then I went to high school and college and became very active, as the rest of the world did, you know, especially in America, to try to stop our involvement in Vietnam and to try to level the playing field for both men and women for their equal rights and the beginning of the feminist movement, the second wave. And, of course, the ongoing civil rights and anti-war movement. So it was just part of the way I was raised. And the music, as we all know, from the 60s, whether it was Bob Dylan or John Baez, Pete Seeger, so much of the rock music of the day was also reflecting those social movements. So I was part of that big wave in the 60s that grew up active. And I've stayed that way ever since. Uh, you most certainly have. And that's fascinating. So your parents, from what I gather here, they adopted the Quaker culture. Do you credit that as, as really that was the cornerstone of this mode of giving back that you have adopted and maintained? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was the aspect of justice and peace and honoring that of God and every living thing that was really embedded in such a great way, the whole principles of what Jesus was really about, but also about all the other traditions of Buddhism and wonderful spiritual leaders and traditions all around the world, what we have in common, everybody, the golden rule and being loving and promoting love and peace and honoring tolerance for others' opinions is such a root part of my childhood. And I think it, it is such in the true teachings of almost every religion. Also being able to use the gifts and the blessings and the privilege that I have to be able to, to give back. I'm not here to become the queen of the world and make as much money as I can and, and spend it on bullshit. 
I think it's really great to see people banding together to try to make the world better. And you have employed your skills in, in quite a way. And I really enjoyed Harvard Square as a very special place to go and spend time during your Harvard Radcliffe days. That had to be a heavy dose of influence on you, both the culture of performance, which is there in the square, but also the activism, which is so rich there, too. Oh, yeah. You know, the anti-war movement was just raging. I think in the Boston area, 68 was my freshman year. There were demonstrations all the time, whether it was Harvard Square, whether it was in Boston. I think there was over 300 colleges in the Boston area. But we were swept up in the national and international fight against the Vietnam War. It was an unbelievable time of feminism growing back to the more natural lifestyle, you know, brown rice and beginning of the organic movement. That's why I chose to go to college in that area, because it was so much more fertile than Los Angeles, where I was raised. (laughs) It fired up people in a way that I think they're being fired up now. You know, it started with Occupy after the Great Recession and not going after Wall Street or changing what was wrong or, or the stolen elections where nothing was done. So the system is broken. And whether you're on the Trump or the Tea Party side or whether you're on the Bernie side, There was a a tremendous movement, especially among young people, towards activism. And what's happened in this election is we've woken up. Nobody can be complacent. So we may not have any strategies that will be determined for a while, but the the resistance is you could see from the Women's March that I was lucky to participate in in San Francisco. It was a phenomenal worldwide event, and I think people are going to be not complacent anymore. It seems like there's a lot of juice that has been created through what can only be described as a no pun intended, an unprecedented time in our political uh, <laughs> our po- yeah. political lives. Um, you, the original spelling. Right, exactly. <laughs> Final question. Usually politics, not a topic I'd bring into an interview, but you've mentioned his name. And funny enough, you recorded your Bonnie Raitt and Friends in 2005 at the Trump Taj Mahal. I actually saw Santana there with my parents. <laughs> did you meet the future president there that night? I did not. I don't think he's, he's spent a lot of time in Atlantic City. I mean, VH1 is who came to me and said we want to do a live concert with some special guests. So that is where they had a deal with the Trump Hotel. I don't think it had anything to do with <laughs> affiliation. But I actually met him at one point. We were on David Letterman at the same time. So I sat in the adjacent makeup chair before the show taping, and he was quite, he was very, you know, he was a, a, a nice guy at the time. Who would have thought? Right. <laughs> I mean, in our wildest dreams, every morning I wake up and go, is this really happening? Right. And sadly it is. Sadly it is. But, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever side you're in, the system's broken, we're going to fix it. And we can get democracy working again if we keep journalism healthy and available and We get an informed populace that's active and probably angry and fired up. So let's just stay fired up and get into the solution and change the things that need to change. It's going to be great having... Say again? Oh, nothing. I just was on my soapbox. I was (laughs) stepping down. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be great having you back in a place where, no doubt, you got a strong connection. It'll be great. I have such great fondness and great memories since the early 70s of being on vacation and playing great shows. And so thank you to all the fans out there that are going to come and see us. I hope you love the show. Really appreciate it, Bonnie. Hey, thank you for doing this and doing all that research. Wow. I'm honored. Thank you so much for all All your time. Thanks to you, too, and I look forward to seeing you as well. Be safe. Have a great day. Aloha. This is Bonnie Raitt. Don't even think about touching that dial. You're right where you should be. We're enjoying the show with our friend Dave Lawrence.